Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. And we welcome you to this Friday morning edition of Daybreak Devotion. Daybreak Devotions, I did it again. I got that email in my head. Is that a Freudian slip so we could go ahead and tell about our email? Or it was just a uh, a seamless segue. Oh, that's probably a better way to yeah. talk about it. Well, there's your seamless segue into our email address here at Daybreak Devotions. It's daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. That's right. And the password to the account is, oh, we don't tell that part. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> It's not wouldn't you like to know. Just in case somebody goes and tries to type that in, just don't waste your time. Because if you try that five times, we're going to get a notification that someone's trying to hack our account. Oh, and then we've got people. You got that right. They have a special set of skills. <laughs> Nunchuck skills and post-test skills. All right. Well, it's it's Friday, so we, we, we're not officially doing Friday Fun Day, but we just got a little chuckle in. Although nobody listening is probably chuckling. It's too early in the morning for that, and you've come to gather around the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do. We've been having a, a discussion this week on living in the will of God and understanding some important truths about God's will. And this being a radio broadcast, you know, we can't go back and or we can't say go back and listen to Monday's edition or Tuesday's edition, um, and we don't have time to go through everything we've talked about. But suffice it to say, the will of God, if I were to summarize it, we're all living in one of two ways. And uh, I, I brought this little drawing I made the other day, and, and it, it's jumping in my mind. I'm looking at it thinking, we all live our lives in one of two ways, with either God at the center or self at the center. So to live in the will of God means I'm living with God at the center of my life. And when I do that, that is to be what Paul describes as spiritually minded, having the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit. Um, then, you know, those that are living outside of the will of God or other than the will of God are living with self at the center. And, of course, that's what Paul describes as being uh, living uh, with a carnal mind, living after the flesh. And so what we're trying to discern here is what is it to live with God at the center of my life, doing the will of God, and bringing glory to him. So uh, that doesn't really summarize everything we've talked about, but it kind of brings it all into a just a, a big key point. And it gets us up to speed with where we're going to be transitioning into the conversation for today. Which is, we had one final question that you had brought to the table, and we got through a couple of the questions yesterday, and we left off before we could do this. Don't be perplexed or puzzled by this, but we covered question one and three, and we've got to go back and do question number two. Yeah, it was... It's kind of just the way the conversation flowed yesterday that one and and three kind of tied in very well together, which I think was a very natural outflow because what we're going to be talking with question number two, I think is kind of almost the, like when you're thinking about the will of God, it's like the, the coup de grace, so to speak. It's like that. I've heard that phrase, but I don't really know what it means. I've always heard my dad use that phrase, and it was almost kind of, you know, like, like it's it's the it's the holy grail. It's the it's the one that when you think about something and, you, and you're tackling it, that's it. And I think this question is what gets so many people hung up when they start allowing themselves to wonder about the will of God 
because it's one that is just so difficult to answer. Well, i tell you what we should do before we even go to the question is we should bring us into a sort of a scriptural mind, mindfulness of what we're talking about when we talk about the will of God. So our text that we've really focused a lot of this on, even though we started at the first of the week in Luke chapter 12, uh, but really we've been looking at Romans 12, 1 and 2, because it tells us, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I'm going to read a couple other verses here just about the will of God, but, you know, I'm wondering if you have some scriptures that pop into your mind about the will of God. That's sort of an on-the-spot question. I think the one that always comes back to me is Psalm 40, verse 8, which is, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And what whatever it is when we're thinking about the will of God, it has to be our delight. It has to be something that we find joy in doing as we are pursuing the will of God. It's not something to do with with trudging or, or, or dread or a sense of obligation, but it is the joy of the life of the believer. And so as we engage in these things and as we present our bodies that living sacrifice and, and we do all the things that we're talking about doing with the will of God, it is the very source of our joy and fulfillment as people. So the uh, you know Jesus said when they came to him to tell him that his mother and his brethren were outside and, and waiting on him, he, he brings the will of God to a pretty high place when he says in Mark 3 and verse 35, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. And to that same note, that makes me think of another passage, and I'm going to have to turn over here to it. Mar uh, Matthew chapter 7, I'm thinking about, and I would like to say that I could quote it verbatim, but I want to make sure I'm not confusing myself here or confusing the text. So at the end of Matthew chapter 7, end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So, well, let me, let me read on. I, my eyes scanned on down the, the, the scriptures there. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And here's what I just noticed when my eyes dropped down the page page. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So the reason not everybody gets into the kingdom is because not everybody does the will of God. Mm -hmm. But yet they're, they're standing before him saying, look at all the good we've done. We did all these things and we did them in your name. And he says, in contrast to doing the will of my Father, he contrasted by calling it working iniquity. So I'm just thinking live on the radio here, but would it be, would it be then scriptural to say that anything not the will of God would be sin? I think absolutely. I mean, if we go to the... Let's go to the, the basic definition of sin, which we've all used forever. It's, it's missing the mark of God. Or to come short of the glory of God. Yes. And we established on Tuesday's broadcast, when we first started talking about this, 
that the will of God is always that we live our lives in such a way to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the listener's probably sitting there thinking, it's taken you this long to come up with that definition? And and I, I don't think so. I think it's just the revelation of reading that Scripture and putting it together. Yeah, because I think one of the things that we think is every good work is obviously God's will. I mean, God wants us to do good. God is good. But to the point that we're making now is good work is not synonymous with God's will. Because right. if I'm doing a good work that is not God's will for my life, then yes, it may still be, from a human standpoint, good, but it is not good because it's not what God wants us to do. So we've got to stop thinking through the terms of this is good, therefore God's in it, and start thinking through the terms of what is God in because that, for me, is good. Well, let me just, I mean, since you made my mind go this way, let me just throw another little mind-boggling thing in there. How do I want to frame this question? Sometimes things God is against must be done as part of his will being accomplished. I don't think I said it exactly the way I wanted to say it, but it was to the point you made that we equate doing good as the will of God. And that got me to thinking sometimes the will of God necessitates evil being done. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when, when I say that, but what comes what I'm thinking about is, is, again, Jesus, and I'm thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane. We referenced that before. But, but Jesus says, you know, not my will, but thine be done. Well, what was God's will in that hour, in that, that occasion? It was that Jesus be crucified. Yeah. And the evil that was done to bring that about had to be a part of God's will. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah. You're talking about the most innocent person that has ever graced the, the face of the earth was mistreated more than anybody else ever has been. That's evil 101, you know, mistreating innocent people. And, and to the point that, that you just brought out, there's no denying that that was part of the will of God all the way back, I mean, even in the book of Genesis, you know, when, when God shall provide himself a lamb, that has always been the will and the plan of God. And, and then you see, I think even you go to Hebrews chapter number 11, and you can read of some evil things that were done to the saints of God that were absolutely part of the will of God because God was glorified in the fact that you had some sewn into animal skins and torn asunder and burned and, and all of the horrible things that you read about, but that in all of that, God was glorified. And I think another key point to make is God is not necessarily orchestrating the evil. He's not doing the evil things because God does all things good. But... He allows evil. He's redeeming. Yes, because in that evil being done, something even more beautiful is going to come out of it on the other side. And just to finish out this thought about these types of bad things happening that are part of God's will being accomplished, and we've already mentioned Job you know, yes. in this discussion, but 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, 
But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end uh, of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now here it comes. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Yes. That was a long reading, but it all ended there in that we suffer according to the will of God. God's will, it's in it. You can find it in it. Even even when it, it's like these bad things or these evil things or these unjust things are happening, God has a will that is at work in all this. I think you look at King David. I mean, he's anointed by Samuel, and then he's despised by his brethren. He is, you know brought into a, a position of prominence in King Saul's court, and then is quickly vilified by King Saul, spends his time on the run. I mean, he can't find, uh, he can't find quarter in the wilderness. I mean, he's, he's constantly just under this assault time and time again, and is given opportunities to kill King Saul and to end it. But his determination is this is all part of God's plan. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. But the Lord will work things out in his time. And you read at the at the end of the account about how David was endeared to the people as a result. And the benefit of hindsight, we can see God's will in all of that. But I've got to think when David's in the middle of the cave of Adullam, he's not really seeing how he's being endeared to the people at all. He's just in the middle of the evil and the unjust actions that are being done to him. But then the beautiful tapestry on the backside of, of all that God has done. And so when we think of God's will and we think about suffering and we think about all of the atrocities of life, how comforting it is to know that the same evil that's happening to everybody on this, on this world, to those that enter into it with God, the promise of God doing a work and using insignificant me, to do something magnificent and to be used as a vessel to bring glory to God gives hope to continue on even through the suffering. Well, I think if we go to the third and final question you had posed, I think it will help bring together some of what we have just been doing, which we will call freestyling. Sure. So my, my final question uh, was this. Can you be in the perfect will of God and not aware that you are in it? As in... You're living your life for you, but God is allowing things to happen in your life that will ultimately draw you to him. And as I said before, these questions were pretty pretty big and initially intimidating questions because the, the will of God, I don't nearly know as much as I would like to, but they did challenge me to think. And I begin to think about this question, and if I understood or understand what you're asking— my first response, that the way I want to answer is no. And what I mean by that is given the description of God's perfect will that, that we laid out at the beginning, 
taken from Romans 12, 1 and 2, which I think we'll come back to that Romans 12 passage in, in, in a moment. But given that description of God's perfect will that we looked at there, which is that, that, that God is intending that our lives, body, spirit, soul, would be lived in such a way that everything about us is magnifying him, and given that we understand God's perfect will includes that we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, then I think it's hard to imagine that a person could be living in God's perfect will and not know that that's what their life is about. But I wanted to think through it a little bit, and I think there is in this worth bringing up what we've heard referred to as the permissible will of God. Now, some people don't like that phrase or that term, and I understand that. Um, but what is usually meant by permissible will is that God may have something better for us uh, than what we're doing or what we're pursuing, but he's allowing us to act on our own desires, and, and that is what he's allowing us to do is within the range of what God will allow in our life. Now, the reason that permissible will of God sounds a little funny, it, it kind of sounds a little bit too fluid, it's as if God is sort of indifferent to what's going on as long as we're not bothering him. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's like a distant dad. Right. <laughs> and see that's it it so I can't I can't wrap my mind around that thinking. Because it almost sounds like a I don't care what you do as long as you don't cross this right, line. Right. But but I'm sure that's not what everybody who uses that phrase means when they talk about the permissible will of God. My second approach to this is what I have heard termed God's will of command. In other words, he has given explicit instructions to us, but we have a choice in obeying or fulfilling that. So in terms of our choices, God has a sovereign will. I'm going to say some more about that in a moment. But our choices cannot override God's sovereign will, okay? We're talking about the area of things in which God has said, this is what I will for you, but you have a choice in it. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, do we have a choice in that? Sure. It's the will of God, right? It's cl- Clearly it says this is the will of God, but we have a choice. We don't have to abstain from fornication. And obviously we live in a world that doesn't abstain from fornication. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of people in church, a lot of, we'll just say Christians, but we'll use the term a lot of Christians don't abstain from this. Oh, they may say, well, I'm not involved in sexual immorality, but, you know, if we check out what you've been watching and looking at, we we might have a different story, right? Sure. But this is the will of God, but we have a choice to make. And and one thing, now this is big too. This is big and worthy of a, of a study and discussion on its own. But one thing God does not do is he does not force our will into compliance with his will, Okay. Now, let me, let me throw a verse on that. I don't want to pass by that without, without giving you a very good verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6. Remember, what I said was God, I'm going to say it the same way, God does not force our will into compliance with his will. So Ephesians chapter 6, listen to this, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, that phrase is important, in singleness of your heart. In verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The point being there, 
we do, we choose and we act and we obey God's will from our will. Remember, one of the things I said earlier in this discussion is that we have to see and understand the will of God is the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And God says, you obey my will from your will. You choose that. You obey my heart from your heart. And I think that's a very important point. Now, I said that's the first way that I thought about answering your question, which is no. But my other answer to the question is to say that in terms of God's sovereign will, he is going to do what he wills to do. Okay? Now, let that settle in a moment. In terms of God's sovereign will, he is going to do whatever it is that he wills to do. So in one sense, we can be in the perfect will of God and be unaware of it and unaware of what he is doing or unaware that what he is doing or what he is allowing is actually moving us in a direction toward him. Okay? Now, I'm going to illustrate that. But first let me say, he's not violating our will, our will, but he is working his own will to lead us to a place of finding his perfect will. Moses. Okay? Moses, and think of the journey that Moses went on that took him from his mother's arms to the Nile River to Pharaoh's daughter to Prince of Egypt, to deserts, wilderness of Sinai, all the way to Pisgah's lofty heights. Mm -hmm. In the early part of Moses' life, he was in the perfect will of God and had no idea that he was. Right. Now, here's where the complexity is going to come in, because we're going to you're going to have somebody thinking, right? Well. What if Moses had gotten out of the will of God? Well, in one sense, he, he did maybe at times. Well, let's be honest, he did. We, we just don't know all the yeah, stories he, of Moses' life. He killed that Egyptian. Pretty sure that wasn't God's will for him. Well, and yet, and yet, think about what we were discussing earlier. Evil being done in order for God's will to accomplish. The slaying of that Egyptian was part of what propelled Moses into fleeing Egypt in the first place. Right. So God redeemed that. Yes. So now we're seeing the crossing here of God's will of command and God's sovereign yes. will. God's will of command, thou shalt not murder. Mm -hmm. God's sovereign will was, I'm going to use this man to lead my people out. And in Moses' choice, he chose to disobey. Now, obviously, we know the, the law hadn't been given. It was given to Moses. But, but Moses did wrong in his own will, and yet God in his sovereign will redeemed that yes. to accomplish his perfect will in his life. Because I think the perfect will was Moses is going to get into the desert one way or the other. There's a myriad of different ways that God could have gotten Moses into the wilderness. In other words, it's not like God puppeteered Moses to slay this man. Right. But because of the choice that Moses made, God said, I can use that. I can still accomplish my will in spite of, because I, I guess this image comes to my mind. I, I sort of picture Satan, you know, right behind Moses as as Moses killed that man. Satan sort of thinking, all right, God, uh-huh, how are you going to use this now? Mm -hmm. To which then God's response is, I'm going to use it regardless. Well, I mean, you, you and I have had this discussion. You've told me the story out of the C.S. Lewis book of, yes. of how basic, or not C.S. Lewis, but uh, Tolkien. Tolkien. Mm -hmm. 
and, and ultimately, we don't have time to go into that, but the redemption of every time the evil one tried to mess up what God had done, God just had to make it better, yes. which, so it, it backfires. And you think about Paul and the fallout with Barnabas. You know, that, that was not God's will. That was two clashes of the will of men, the hearts of men, but God redeemed that and put Barnabas with... John Mark. John Mark, <laughs> thank you, and Paul with... Silas. Silas, and look at what came out of that. Yes. You know, so God, this is... This is just, this awakens your heart to, to how wonderful God is and how great God is. And you know what God's will is all about? The will of God is about the glory of God. Yes. And that's what we're learning. And, and it takes us really not, you know, just to go back to full circle to that, that second question, which was question three, which we've already answered, about God's plan A for our life. God's plan A for our life can never be stopped. Yes. You know, it, unless we walk away from God. That that you know what I'm saying? Right. That's the only way. And what a what a load and a relief that that is. Because anybody listening that has lived any extended period of time in in their in their Christian life has probably at some point in time carried the burden of Lord, I, I don't want to mess up your will for my life. I don't, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to mess up how beautiful of a thing that it is to know that we cannot mess up God's love for us in our life, God's plan, or God's working in our life. Now, Romans 8. Now, Study the chapter. What then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We're, we're not in any way, shape, or form promoting go out and do whatever you want to do and let God put the pieces back together. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is to those that are seeking, God, I want your will. God's saying, you've got it. Just just come to me. Just honor me. Live your life for me. And you know what? When the enemy gets you off track, when your own flesh gets you off track, when you take your eyes off of me, don't quit, Peter. When thou art converted, restore thy brother. Come back. We'll put it back together, and we will continue on. As one of the brothers in our church likes to quote me saying... Jesus said, I got this. Exactly. And, we, you know, I, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I, I thought, you know, again, I was going to go back to Gethsemane, but there you see how those wheels collide. You know, Jesus had a will. And, and if you say, well, no, Jesus did. No, he said, not my will, but thine yeah. be done. He had to surrender that will. And I'd love to come back to Romans chapter 12 and talk about that a little bit. But I would just encourage us to realize that God's going to do, like you said, we have a part in what God is accomplishing, and the best thing we can do is seek out how to surrender ourselves to him wholly and fully. Let him accomplish his good, acceptable, and perfect will in our lives. That's right. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.